0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Podcast. I have got a first on the show, a career change coach. Emmy helps you navigate when you just don't like your job and you want a new one, or you want a new career, or you're really not sure where to start. And I have so many people with that. So I am so, so glad that you were here. She's based out of Australia, but she works with anyone that wants to work with her and who has good taste, which is why they're working with her, obviously. Um, so welcome. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. I am super stoked. So if you will tell us, I mean, I kind of said what you do, but if you'll tell us in your own words, what you do and then how you got here, I'm like a therapist. I'm always like obsessed with how people got to where they want to be. And I'm like, yes, tell me the story.
1: <laughs> happy too, happy to. Happy to. So yeah, so my name is Emmy. I'm um, I've been working as a career coach now since 2013. Um, well, actually, expats as well as people in career transition because I'm an expat myself, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Yes. Um, but essentially, what I do is I help people, especially mid-career people who are kind of mid 30s to late 40s, who are like, "Dang it, I've done this for a long time. The joy has gone out of it. I don't yeah. really know how to find my groove." I talk a lot about professional flow. Um, and I'm sure we'll get dive into that later, but professional flow is essentially when you feel good and enjoy what you do and allow that to change throughout your career, which I think is really important because let's face it, I certainly am not working with what I first did at uni. And I think a lot of your listeners probably have taken weird and wonderful paths as well. So basically I help people make sense of that now, create a plan and get moving. Oh, how did you get into this work? Um... Well I've always really loved like understanding people and when I went to uni I was kind of choosing between psychology type subjects or going into more like societal stuff so I actually ended up studying political science and international relations so more I guess of how groups of people behave Mm -hmm. and you know did a lot of traveling I grew up in Sweden um, moved countries actually lived over in the states for a while in San Francisco which was great um and my professional journey just kept taking me through roles that involved a lot around people. So I worked for a long time in sales and marketing and what got me into career coaching specifically was that I was fed up with my work. I was in a really cutthroat sales role at the time and I was like, this just ain't my groove. Yeah. <laughs> and I started looking for a career coach for me and I actually found a school here in Australia uh, who trained coaches and cool. I was like, wow. You can work as a coach and help other people make sense of stuff. Best job ever. Yeah, I know. Right. So I started my studies in 2012, started working as a coach in 2013 and have mixed and matched over the years, um, working in corporate as well as coaching, but now I'm full-time coaching and it's, it's my jam. I love it. And you, you just stepped into coaching full-time, right? Like recently. Yeah, fairly recently, um I have had the great fortune of working in uh, like I said in marketing, which is my other yeah. passion. Um and I really enjoyed it, but I got to a stage where I'm like, look, I've been doing this for over 10 years now and a lot of my clients actually end up in this exact situation. Mm-hmm. I've been doing X for 10 plus years. Yeah. And it's just not fun anymore. I'm pretty good at it, but I'm not it's not that fun. And yeah, yeah so coaching has always been there. I've been coaching people like I said for a long time now and yeah. My partner and I made the call. He's like, "Why don't you just do the thing you love instead? You know, why don't you just do that?" Good idea. That's what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) I know, right? He's awesome. (laughs) awesome. I love that. So I get kind of a mix of like young people, you know, young twenties, maybe just starting college, Mm -hmm. who are like, "I don't know how to even figure out what I want to do." Mm. And then I get a mix of people who are like, I either hate my job and I had to take it because it pays the bills and it is what it Mm -hmm. is. Or I hate my work environment. Like I really like my job, Mm. but I hate the environment that I work in. And I don't know what to do. I mean, people, I always think people know what to do. Like if I ask Mm. them a question, they always have an answer, but a lot of people are afraid to make that leap. They're like, well, what if, what if I leave and it's the same situation? Or what if I end up in the wrong job or, you know, X, Y, Z. So How do you even start if you just know that you're like, we'll go with both, right? If you're like, Mm. I don't know what I want to do, or if you like hate where you're at, we can Hmm. pick.
1: Yeah, cool. Oh my gosh. There's so much we could go, but I'd love to, the thing that comes up for me and I, I choose to often go with instinct within these conversations. So the first thing that comes up for me for either age group is to go with the concept of professional flow. Mm-hmm. So, what professional flow means is that instead of looking at your career as, as this like p- beautiful ladder up to the perfect plateau of the thing that's going to be awesome forever, Great. instead think of it kind of like a river. So, your career is like a river or a creek, and there are going to be rocks and dams and drought and floods and all this sort of stuff, right? So whether you're starting out or you're somewhere halfway, just know that your professional flow will come when you stop staying still and do like the water and just try to kind of go around the thing, go over the thing. And just know that, I mean, at least speaking for myself, I just turned 40. I have changed jobs, careers several times. Mm -hmm. Some of that was painful and difficult to decide. And some things like stepping into coaching was a very easy decision. So Look, that's probably my first thing It's like when you're feeling stuck, like don't be the stagnant water. Just kind of yeah. start going in a direction move somewhere. And you will... Yeah, move somewhere. Start doing something. And like you said, people often know what to do. Trust your gut. If it feels really wrong, not just because mm-hmm. you're afraid, because being afraid is normal. Like right. people are afraid all the time of looking like a fool or losing money or losing yeah. face or whatever that is. So just, yeah, just lean in and know that it's scary, but just start moving, do something, do something that feels more right than the thing you're doing right now.
0: Yes. And I tell people all the time, like action leads to clarity. So I'm like, if you don't Mm. know what to do, do something exactly what you said, do something and it'll, it'll reveal the next step. And then the next step is the next step. And the next step is the next step. And Mm. something I will tell people as well is like, well, let's start with what you hate Mm. and not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Like exactly. I would be, oh my God, I would get fired. First of all, if I had to work for a company that was like super button. if I had to work for corporate, I would be fired day one guarantee. <laughs> but if I had to do any type of like manufacturing type job, I would also hate my life. So I'm like, okay, well, if we know we hate those things, mm. we're not doing anything related to that, which automatically gives us some sort of like narrowing down. Yeah. And I
1: love that. And and I think in addition to that is that, and you probably talk to your clients about this too, but the brain can't actually process negatives. So if you say, I don't want a job where my boss is a jerk, your brain will kind of cross out the don't and it will think about jerk bosses instead of going, like you said, what's the opposite of that? What's what kind of what what does that look like? So an exercise I often take people through early on. uh, And there is a free printable on my website if people are interested in getting started with some of the stuff we're talking about now. But essentially, um, I often talk to people about the great, okay, and not okay job. And what Mm -hmm. this means is that, like you said, if you have something you hate, like, I mean I don't love excel and programming right so similar to you yeah. if i had to do excel programming type stuff all day long my I brain would like break down i would be the worst i would also right. be fired so so i have a few jobs and companies that go in my not okay bucket mm. aka i would never work for that type of company mm. or i would never have that type of role yeah. and it's really just an exclusion list kind of like you said let's okay so now that we know that that is not the go Let's get to the more exciting columns, which is what's okay, Yeah. Aka, which means like, what would be fine? You wouldn't do it long-term. It's kind of that, like that lovely person that you date for a while. They're really sweet and really kind, so but they're nice. just not your soulmate. <laughs> you they're <actually laughs> yeah. the same, right? Yeah. So there are jobs that we do because we need money or we need stability or we're recovering from illness, whether mm-hmm. that's physical or mental, you know? So an okay job or an okay company is perfectly fine, but you need to have a time limit on it. Mm. Uh, So you might say, I'm going to do this for six months to get my finances back on track or whatever that looks like for whomever is listening right now. And then the great job or the great company are those companies that you just go like, I don't even care what kind of role I do for them. I just love what they stand for. Mm. I love what they do in the world. I love the impact that they have. Um, I love the way they allow flexibility or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when you get away from the not okay bucket, which is kind of what you said, what they hate, And we start looking at, okay. And great remembering that good is the enemy of great. So Mm. if you stay in good, if you stay in half-assed, okay, kind of all right, that's going to really stop you from getting to great, but sometimes you need it to just recover and heal and do whatever the thing is you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think it's totally worth biding your time for a while. Like, Mm. I will. I use that framework with people with jobs, and I use it with people who are in imbalanced or abusive relationships. And 100%. they're like, "Well, I can't leave yet." And I'm like, "Okay, that's fine, but let's do what we need to to prepare. Like, can you can you research resume writing? Can you get paid while you're on a job that you probably don't work a full forty hours at, but you're there for forty hours, and learn a skill set that you're gonna need for this next job? Like, what mm-hmm. can we do in the meantime?" 100%. If we can't leave yet, yeah. And on the flip side of that,
1: also your early career status. You had you said you have some people in your world that are in their twenties and they're trying to oh, work yeah. out what they're going to do <laughs> and what that looks like. <laughs> like, dude, just start somewhere. Like, it's totally yeah. okay to start somewhere where you know already that that's not going to be your end destination. But pick a pick a a, a lane, start there, and quickly determine what you're going to learn. And I'll give you an example. I love that. So finance for example is not my my forte I already said I'm not a huge fan of excel sheets and stuff like that but early on in my career um, I moved from Sweden to the UK and I got a job with a finance organization and I knew straight away that this area of work is not my thing but it would allow me to try a couple of things so I was an executive assistant for a senior leader and I got to work with sort of HR training stuff and I was like I've never done that so I'd like to see what that's like so my objective before I even went in is that I want to learn to work with this really senior person and to see what that's like mm-hmm. and I want to learn a bit about HR type stuff so I did that and I worked for them for three years or something and the thing that I realized really really quickly was that being an executive assistant you deal with senior leaders all day long trying to get hold of your boss or want a meeting and stuff like that Yeah, and I got really good at learning to read signals from very senior people and what they said versus what they meant. So my learning in that role, whereas that was just an okay job for me, is that I had a wonderful boss and I learned so much Mm -hmm. about the things that I wanted to learn. And then it got to the point where probably a lot of your listeners might sit, where you go, this is kind of the end of the road for me Mm -hmm. with this company. I've learned everything I can, whether you're 20 or 50 years old, I don't care. That's your time to start looking out. Mm -hmm. start looking for the thing. That's great. Start looking for the thing that is better than what you currently have. Mm.
0: I love that. Mm. And I think, I think one of the things too, is not waiting until it's dire, right? Like Mm. if I know anything about humans, it's that our capacity to suffer is so high. Sometimes I Mm. honestly wish it was lower Mm. because a lot of people won't start moving until they're like, well, now I'm miserable. And it's like, okay, but we want to move when you're just unhappy." And I wonder, I wonder your opinion on, um, my cat is scratching a journal. You are so rude. <laughs> what, my cat will wonder by any minute. She can oh, tell when there are other cats on the yeah, call as well. Guaranteed so. <laughs> he'll come in the frame at some point um, <laughs> That's all right. as cats do, you know? So, but I, yeah. I wonder what you think about people who choose to never have a perfect job, who never chase their dream job. Because it would take them away from something else that they value. Like, for example, if they if they say, "Okay, well, I have this job that I like. I like the people I work with. I like the company. I like the work. Everything is like, but it allows me the schedule that I want or it allows me to be home with my family or it allows me to have these hobbies that I love or you know, I really have a full life outside of this job and it's not my dream job. And Mm. I feel like that's also a lot of people and they get, especially American culture, like they get shamed for it because American culture is very like, live your passion and find your dream. And like, that is so much of the, I don't want to say the outlier because it can be much more common than I think it is. But for people who were like, you know, like it, what if I don't find my, my right perfect fit but I do just like my job and I get paid well and I have the vacation time Mm. that I want. And it allows me to live a full life. Like what about those people? Oh, I love what you just said.
1: So hundred percent. So when you and I spoke the other week about this wonderful podcast, um, Mm -hmm. we got onto values and I think that aligns perfectly with what you say. So quite often people will say to me, amy what are like what are my professional values versus my personal values mm-hmm. and i'm like you only have one set of values one set of values <laughs> they're per the person. same friend <laughs> now they can change and evolve for example someone who becomes a parent can start valuing family a lot more examples etc sure. but for most people we end up with anywhere between three and kind of seven core values um and a big part of my work and what I would advise your your listeners to do is to unpack and get curious about their values Mm -hmm. and to not have like 50,000 values but go well what are the things that are the most important so I'll give you some examples so for me it's um, I love freedom and exploring and creativity so do I have to do that in my work absolutely not will I be happier if I can 100 percent Yes. So to those people who you're talking about, their values may lie outside of work. So mm-hmm. they might value, for example, stability and predictability and knowing right. where their money is going to come from. Mm-hmm. So if your value is stability and balance, and you have mm-hmm. a secure job and you like it, and your other values are things like being in nature, being with your yeah. family, like cooking, whatever that whatever. is. Exactly. Yeah. What's your oyster? Read books for you know x number of hours every Eat day, books, or whatever forever. it is exactly right so as long as you can do that thing Mm. and live your values so the 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 baseline of it all is don't push yourself to a career if career the quote-unquote professional career or corporate career is not for you just ask yourself am I happy is this doing is my job doing what it needs to do for me to have flow in my life as a whole if it does it's not a problem yeah if a little part of you is like dang it you know my kids are growing up or Mm -hmm. things are starting to change and I feel this little yearning deep in the Mm -hmm. pit of my stomach that I could contribute in a different way now contribution is not necessarily just your job yay you're so good (laughs) good. contribution is things like is there a charity is there a cause you're Mm -hmm. passionate about is there something that you want to give your time and energy and effort to whether that's a paid thing or not Mm -hmm. and as long as you get to do the things that light you up you don't have to chase a big career Mm -hmm. and this is empowering as well by the way for the young ones in their 20s too because Rather than I mean, Australia is a bit similar to you guys, you know, it's like you're you're meant to kind of know when you're 15 and you pick your subjects <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I think my 15 year old self and I wanted to right. work in childcare for a while. And I mean, I'm very happily child free. So I don't know how at the age of 15, I thought childcare was my calling.
0: But you I'm also have I to ended- ask to go to the bathroom at that age. So if I have to raise my hand to go pee and you want me to choose a job like we have a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, we have no, a problem it's a bit like that. So I think I think to go back to your question 100%, like you do not have to identify yourself Mm. as with what you do, you do not have to have a quote unquote successful career in other people's eyes to have a very successful and happy life. Uh, I do, however, think that people and especially women, because traditionally in many countries, women do a lot of the child minding and stuff like that. So just ask yourself if the balance that you currently have is what's working for you. If it's not, and if you're not having that flow I talked about
0: before, then it might be worth to chat to someone like me to just explore what your options look like. Right, and a lot of people think they don't have any options, right? And something, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you run into this. I run into this all the time. I will problem solve the most simple shit. (laughs) Like the most simple shit. I was talking to a client last night who had like a little tiff with their partner and they were like, they're upset. And I think it's this reason. And it it must be this, and And I said, well, did you ask them (laughs) if that was the reason? And they're like, no, but I'm sure that's what it is. And I said, why don't you go ask? Like we were on the Mm -hmm. phone. I said, go ask them what they would like from you. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, now on the phone, like put me on Mm -hmm. speaker. I want to hear it. And they did, oh, and they're like, yes. oh, I need this thing. And I said, what did they say? And so they repeated back what they said. And I said, okay, so next time we think they're mad about something, we can just ask. Like, it's mm. okay. And people like think that they need these big elaborate solutions. And I'm like, but what if you just asked your partner? Like, what if you just took a nap because you're exhausted? What if you just said, oh, yes. hey, I hate my job. I can find a different one
1: because there's a absolutely there. absolutely oh my gosh absolutely I I, um, I think by the time a lot of people acknowledge that they want to change their job or acknowledge out loud that they're unhappy which usually means they've thought about it for a good six months or more in my experience true um And it's interesting. So by the time we get to that point, this whole career thing has become this huge problem in their mind. And they're like, I could. And then they come to me with beliefs. By the way, I have had all of these beliefs myself. So there's zero judgment in them. But like I used to believe things like I could never run my own business or um, "You know, who do I think I am to try and do X, Y, and Z. So we have all these beliefs. And by the time someone gets to me, it's usually a lot of beliefs that are not particularly helpful. And my main job is to take them through a process to untangle that and mm-hmm. kind of go, how do we go from feeling like I have no clue to here's the plan for the next three months. And yeah. that's basically what I love to take people through because that. you can't you can 100% do that. The other oh thing gosh, that came yeah. up for me that when you, know, when you were talking about, um, let's go ask them. Yeah. Most people I work with have very little two-way dialogue with their immediate leader or immediate boss. So, yeah. for example... I worked with a lady the other year who was like, I have no support for training and development in my job. And I'm like, okay, so tell me more about that. And it turns out that her boss had never actively encouraged her to go do training and learning. And I said, have you asked? Have you asked him or HR what's available? (laughs) Have you told them in your development chats what you want to learn more about? And she was like, no, well, it's their job as my employer to tell me what's available. And I said, well, yes, kind of, they have, in some countries, there is a legal kind of, sure. you know, it, you, you do need to kind of talk about these things in performance reviews. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, you're kind of responsible for your own vote on that professional flow <laughs> river. So you can't just wait for people to come and open up the locks mm-hmm. for you or come and do right. the thing. You, sometimes you just got to ask. Right. And a lot of people as well, by the way, when they come to a point where they say, I hate my job, Mm. I often ask them what have you done to this point or what have you tried to this mm. point and very often it's like one chat with one leader or um, right. they've just assumed that this annoying colleague who takes over all the time where they have to clean up after them all the time rather than getting to the root of the problem they feel like they don't want to deal with it so instead they've wasted oh, right. most likely six to twelve months being mad at someone that whole right. thing about you know you know wanting your enemy to die you know but you eat the poison I can't remember the saying you know the one that I mean
0: no <laughs> okay anyway
1: it's it's that whole thing about like you know oh you're sitting God. there you're sitting there stewing and being angry but they have no clue that you're stewing oh and being yeah angry. yeah yeah so you're basically somebody will tell us what it is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, I see that all the time. And it's not that I want to put any blame on people who haven't tried hard enough, because sometimes you have. Sure. But right. sometimes you also get to dig where you stand. Sometimes you can get a promotion or a different role. Or if you start a conversation where you already are, there might be opportunities that you yeah. have no clue about because you never told anyone you wanted anything else. Yeah. So they don't know that.
0: And sometimes and I, it's that- just boundaries. Like if you're always cleaning up after a coworker and you're always taking on their extra work, stop doing that. Yeah. And then bing, bang, boom, you're suddenly not doing that anymore. If they always call you in because you always say yes, whose fault is that? Mm, Absolutely. You're allowed, you know, a lot of it is, seems to be boundaries work and you're right. Like Mm. if you're like, well, I talked to them once. Great. (laughs) Let's talk to them again.
1: (laughs) Talk to them again. Document it. Did you ever write down somewhere? Mm -hmm. Because if it's just a conversation, and this is not about like HR legal stuff. I mean, like, did you articulate in writing? So one thing I often encourage people to do if they're talking to uh, an existing organization and they're looking at the opportunities they have. I always say follow up with an email. Literally, it can yeah. be so simple. Hey, John, it was great to chat to you today. As discussed, I'm really interested to learn more about project management. Here are a couple of courses I've looked at. Let me know when you've spoken to HR, what you know what the company might be able yeah. to support me with. And that way you've actually documented it. It's literally just a reflection of the conversation. You've taken the next mm-hmm. step and said, hey, here's some stuff I'd like to learn about, or I'm really interested in that role in that other team you mentioned. Um, And yeah, we just got to stop worrying and start leaning in and doing. It's really, really difficult. And it feels unfamiliar and scary and uncomfortable for a lot of people. But the only way for the uncomfortableness to go away is to lean in and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And I think,
0: I think too, I find a lot of people with their workplace will subscribe like negative intentions with their boss when really one, maybe their boss is just not very good with people. I can't tell you how many bosses I see where I'm like, Wow. Your ability to lead sucks. What is happening? Or two, it's just a miscommunication where they're like, well, they, they have it out for me or they, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, but maybe we also just need to have a conversation, which part of it too, I, I wonder if you see this where like people assume that changing jobs will fix the problem, but they're actually kind of the problem. So then we have, then you like work with them. So part of what you do as well is like literal personal development where you're like, okay, let's make sure that we don't take these problems to our next job because you're actually the common denominator. It's like people who has only crazy exes. And I'm like, bitch, you keep choosing those partners. like That's on you. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I say like this, the theme of three.
1: So like if you've been through a couple of things and you've seen a thing come up more than three times, it's a pattern. Usually it's yes. not just a freak incident that that thing happened to you <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. And, and look, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And that's the main thing that I often talk about early so on smart. in coaching is I do profiling with stuff. And I'm like, now your tendency to solve a problem is going to be X, Y, and Z. And then we unpack what that looks like. And I'm like, on the flip side, it means that you're going to struggle with A, B, and C. Yeah, And that's just how it works. Every strength has a mirror image to yeah. things we need to be really aware of. And yeah, look, I, there's so much that comes up for me, but I, I do 100% agree with you that yeah. people will sometimes, they will take a long time and they won't enforce the boundaries. And mm-hmm. I have a tip for all the people out there who are like, well, my boss sucks or my job sucks. And I don't know any of this boundary stuff you talk about. Great. Yeah. I don't know how to start saying no, because I've said yes for way too long. So my tip for all of the people out there, I've been in these shoes too, is go back to your role description. So Mm -hmm. if you were hired in a role to do, I don't know, let's pretend that you're in administration. And at the time when you got the job, you did you know calendars and blah 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 and all whatever basic administration and over the years uh, they gave you event management as well so they say like all the internal events you're also going to do them yeah but they never amended your role description they didn't take anything else away so they just Mm -hmm. keep adding to the pile because someone went on mat leave or something happened so that is your great time to to go to your boss whether it's in writing or verbal or both and say hey, I've noticed lately that I've started picking up a lot of stuff that wasn't actually in my job description to start with, and I'm struggling to get it all done. And I don't feel like it's quite fair for all these things to fall in my remit. So could we sit down and go through my job description and chat about the areas that I really enjoy, the areas I find challenging, and and come to an agreement about what this role looks like now? So what you're doing is not pushing back and saying, no, I can't do stuff. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I'm only one person. And I signed up for this job at this point with these responsibilities. So right. Let's reevaluate that. And this, for all the people who struggle to talk about salary, this is also a great time to talk money. Yes, Money is icky. We don't like to share it. We don't like to tell other people how much we earn, blah, blah, blah. But especially here in Australia, we have a syndrome called the tall, tall, poppy syndrome. So like, don't think you're anything special or don't brag about stuff. That's so so cool. yeah, it's quite common over here. Um, I've seen it in Sweden as well. Um, but yeah, essentially when you're taking on more, you know, have the conversation about money as well and go, right. look, it's, it looks to me as we're looking at this role description that my role has changed a lot. Can we talk about compensation for that? Yeah. And then they realize that you're doing a lot more than you were meant mm. to do or, like you said at the start, enforce your boundaries and say, actually, right. it's not my job to do blah, blah. We're going to have roll. to find other ways to resource that. Right. And this way, it's not personal. It's just mm-hmm. about the function of your job and what is right. there to do. And
0: if they're, you know, not aligned to compensating you fairly for the extra things, you get to say, well, it's not really, that's not my job and you're not going to compensate me. So why am I doing all this work for free? Like,
1: yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> no, thanks. And I mean, we're recording this in April of 2022. So Mm -hmm. the great resignation, or as I call it, the great reallocation, the great pivot, whatever you want to call it. I love it. But a bunch of people are leaving their jobs. So any clever employer right now would be really smart to go, wow, this person really needs to learn, or we need to talk about salary. We need to talk about how to keep them happy and retain them because it's super expensive for them most of the time if you go, because they got to recruit for that. You know, the role will be empty for a while Um, right. and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you've got the power. Yeah. Oh, Any my Any listener gosh. out there, the power is with you. Even yeah. It doesn't feel like that. The power is with you. It was always with you anyway, but extra now.
0: But now <laughs> I think it has like a spotlight on it. Like, I have so many people. I had a client this week who their partner wants to work from home. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is literally the time to do that. <laughs> like, 100%. yes. Yeah. I just, yeah. Workers just have so much more power. And I know, you know, my mom worked for one company for like 30 years and I quite literally think I would have burned the building down if I worked for (laughs) one company. I may work for myself for 30 years, but like I get to change roles if I want to. Yeah. But to keep one job for 30 years is just almost unheard of now. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, when I've looked into research about it, actually shows that if you change jobs, you get paid way more over your lifespan than if you stay with one company for 30 years. Yeah. So it's like, it actually benefits you to move on.
1: It absolutely does. And it does so for two reasons. So like money absolutely it's a lot harder to get your salary increased inside the company unless you dramatically change roles and studies actually show that even if you get promoted to a manager role internally you will probably be paid less than an external person that they had to recruit anyway that is so it's not uncommon in corporate even if you have a salary band mm-hmm. for the person who came through the ranks internally to sometimes be paid less so obviously it depends on industry and and stuff like that too Why is but i think that- um I think companies in the past have gotten really, this is my take, and I'm sure there's facts out there, and, and I'd love for listeners to challenge this one, but based on my experience, I think companies get a bit lazy because they're like, oh, we'll just promote Susan, you know, Susan's mm-hmm. great, she's done, she's been with us, and in my mind, I'm like, well, how, how in the world can HR think that just throwing a little bit extra on Susan's salary um, I's enough when they're paying the external person coming in significantly more right and I, and I think it's because at least here in australia i don 't know what the states is like um sa- salary transparency is pretty crap if you 're lucky you 'll know what band you sit in, but you 'll have no idea how where your colleagues who are doing the same role as you but they're I paid. think it
0: employers in the U S especially for big companies mm-hmm. give you the spiel about like not talking about money and don't discuss mm-hmm. your salary. And we don't want anyone to feel about it, which is a total crock of shit, right? Like mm-hmm. the only person who wins, the only thing that wins when you don't discuss a salary is your boss, not mm-hmm. you. So technically that's illegal here mm-hmm. in many States, but still businesses are like, Oh, we don't talk about how much we're paid, And it's like, wrong, which we talking about it. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, I think it's important. I'm a huge oh fan my God, of it. And yes. all, I think, you know, obviously you do whatever is right by your books, you know, so don't necessarily go out and broadcast what you earn if you're not comfortable talking about should it. should talk
0: about money way more though.
1: They should. And I think structurally as well, like I see job ads all the time, especially LinkedIn. I cannot believe that li- the job section on LinkedIn doesn't have it mandatory to list the salary when you apply for a job. how can that not be mandatory yeah like how should I know if this job is right for me if I don't know what the salary band is right especially with flexible working and international stuff because every country is a little bit different but nowadays technically I could work for a U.S. company it wouldn't be a problem at all if I worked from home
0: so I think it would suck but yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I think don't do it if you didn't have kids
1: no but I think as well like going back to what you said I think Money is important and it's important to allow ourselves to be worthy of a good salary for our skill level. Whether you're young or old, I don't care, but like, do not accept. I remember um, when I was still working full time in marketing a couple of years ago, I was doing the coaching on the side, and there was this new company coming to Australia wanting a a marketing lead. And basically, they offered about $50,000 a year less the market salary in Australia for the same role and I said this to the recruiter and I said 50 grand is a lot of money and they were like well that's what's budgeted for this role and I was like well I'm not going to disclose where they came from because it doesn't matter but the point was I was like look I cannot I I don't care what other people say I cannot accept a role like this because I have significant experience so unless you can give me something else that's very tangibly valuable like
0: like $50,000 fully remote
1: exactly bonuses I don't know so that's why we need to talk about money and especially for the female listeners out there I see women all the time who struggle slightly more generally speaking than men yes to stand up for what we're worth stand up for salary conversations question why we haven't had a salary increase in four years those are the kind of conversations we need to have and we need to have them with other people too so that everyone can kind of champion because Mm it's not a win or lose game. It's not like if you get an increase, nobody else in the business can, it's about lifting the tide for everyone. Right. So that's how I see it. So for every chat I have about money with
0: someone, it benefits someone else. (laughs) 100%. Because what I find too, is when people go for what they're worth, it like gives people permission to do the same and to say, oh, so-and-so got a raise. Why haven't I gotten a raise? Well, you need Mm -hmm. to open your mouth and you need to ask, or we need to find something else. Like Mm. honestly the amount of availability of jobs right now is like Mm. if yours is not meeting your needs you quite literally have more options than the than humans have ever had Mm. in the history of humanity Mm. so go find it like there's something better for you there's absolutely
1: absolutely Mm. and I think to, you mentioned before as well about someone working in the same company for like 25 years etc hey uh, you know for some people for some people it's a thing but it's very rare these days most yeah. people I encounter they've worked they kind of stay for between two and four years mm-hmm. in each role and sometimes they move roles inside the same company and sometimes they go elsewhere But the benefit of going elsewhere is to, first of all, get over that little voice in your head going, it's not perfectly planned. I don't know how it's going to be. What if my new (laughs) boss is worse? Like we sometimes kind of assume, I don't want to say negative intent, but we assume because it's going to be different, it might be worse. So we're going to stay with the bad that we have because we know what that bad looks like. The devil we know. Yeah. So the, the thing about changing is that you know, I think it was Richard Branson who said, which I really love. So he said, you know, whenever I'm faced with a decision, um, he said something like, I think about like, what's the worst that can happen,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And he thought out all oh, like the absolute worst case scenario. Can I afford that? Mm-hmm. And then here's the powerful third question. What's the best that could happen? What is you the that. best that could happen if I quit this job or leaned in, you know? Yeah. What, what, what then could what? open up? And we we forget about that because we're like, I'm going to manage all the crap that could happen instead of going, okay, it's good to have awareness around that and the finances and all the practicalities. But allow yourself to think about the best that could happen. Like I literally wake up now that I work for myself. Of course, Mm -hmm. there are days that are still not awesome. But 80% of the time I wake up with a smile on my face. I get to work with amazing clients. I get to have chats like this. And I'm like, wow, you know, I just have to pinch myself sometimes. And for anyone listening a flavor of that is available to every single person mm-hmm. who's willing to stand up for themselves. Yeah. And it can be hard to get started. So that's why you might need an Amanda or an Emmy or somebody else right. in your life. Somebody, so.
0: right? If you hate us, find somebody that you yeah, like. find somebody that, else. Talk to like someone. I actually love to take people through like doom, doomsday scenarios. So one of my favorite things to do, especially with like clients with high anxiety, mm. Is I'll say, well, what's the worst thing that happens? They're like, whoa, this thing. And I said, okay, well, first of all, is that likely? Mm -hmm. Is it likely that if you take your baby on a picnic, a deer is going to come eat it? Like, no. So I'm sure there's a stat on that somewhere, but I would say it's pretty low. They're going to say, well, there's some deer somewhere with rabies. And I'm going to be like, okay, let's come back to reality. Like in reality, what's the worst thing that can happen? And they're like, oh, this, this, you know, thing. And I say, okay, then what? I say, well, then I would have to do this. And I say, great. Then what? Well, then I would have to do this. Like the job thing, right? If I say, okay, well, you take a job, you think it's going to be great. And it turns out it's a total fucking dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. It's a dumpster fire. Your boss is actually a mob boss and you work for the freaking cartel. Like <laughs> what happens then? And they're like, well, then I would have to find a new job. Yes. Okay, great. How do we do that? Well, I guess I would have to, and they always answer in that way, right? Like, well, I guess I would have to like get on Indeed and look for a new job. But I'm like, okay, great. Then what? Well, like, I would just get a new job. Cool. Mm -hmm. So your literal worst case scenario is totally problem solvable. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, (laughs) If I hate my the, job, I can get another one. It's fine. And the
1: thing about that as well, and, and especially for people who actually for all your listeners, but also for the young ones who are like, I got to work it out. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be great. I have to have that effortless perfection. I heard that expression somewhere recently and I was like, what a crocker. What? Something. Yeah. yeah that's effortless perfection. I'm like, perfection, first of all, is not a helpful. It can be a good trait to, um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself, but I've learned that you know, there's a difference between perfect and good enough. And very often these days, I kind of ask myself the control question, like, what's good enough? You know, what's enough for this cake to look beautiful for this project to be handed in? Like what's actually enough? Other people are like, so impressed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: All right, cool. Exactly. Because most people who have perfectionist tendencies want to be in control. So they over-prepare all the time. And then they're really tired and frazzled. And they're like, I've got to do everything myself that yeah. used to be me and then I realized oh. if that's gonna be my approach I'm gonna be very lonely <laughs> so yeah, and I'm just gonna let like, go of a lot of that stuff yeah but yeah the, the doomsday the doomsday scenario applies to so many things and I really enc- I do a similar thing when I prepare people for job interviews so that's part of what I do I help them kind of get into the headspace and I'm like first of all You know, and they they talk about things like being laughed at. And many of us have this inner fear. And it actually comes from a very, very primal fear, which is the fear of not belonging. Mm. So often when I work with people it's the fear of being found out so the fear of looking stupid the fear of not belonging or the fear of not being loved so that people we love will reject us because we're changing something and these are primal primal fears so when people feel like there's risk that they're gonna step out of line and not belong it's like either I'm gonna look stupid and they're gonna laugh at me first of all I've suggested many strange things to bosses over the years about trainings and where I'd like to take my career and stuff and Never once has anyone ever laughed at me. Sometimes people have been surprised or Mm. they've been like, sorry, we can't do that because of this reason. And I'm like, well, thought I'd ask. Yeah. But in the end of the day, like a really helpful belief that I have learned to take on, it was not natural in the beginning, is that whatever happens, I can handle it. Mm. Whatever my career, my life, my whatever throws at me, I can handle it with help. I with the that. right help, with my psychologist over the years and other people in my world, like I can handle anything that's thrown at me. I love that. Um, and it's actually something I'd love for more people to believe that they can, because it's not, it doesn't mean that we need to armor up and be invincible and not right. feel vulnerable or sad or feel really cut when you go for a promotion and you give the interview, your everything
0: yeah. and you don't get
1: it. But it's also sometimes carefully packaged up feedback that maybe that Mm -hmm. place or that role or that thing was not for you and that's a good time to look at your values again and go what are my values would this role have taken me away from family or whatever Mm -hmm. those other things are that you value yeah so many a time I've seen people go oh actually I didn't get the job and it was horrible but when I'd unpacked like the job the workload Mm -hmm. That job would have probably made me very miserable in about six months time. And I'm like, interesting, interesting feedback from the universe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, like people forget that their track record for surviving things is literally a hundred percent. Like if you're still alive. Oh gosh, that's so good. I love that. You know, your track record is literally flawless. You have survived things. If you're an adult that you, I promise you did not think you would survive. Mm. And yet here you are. So mm. you will survive that job getting turned down this job that you hate. Like, as long as you don't literally die about it, mm. you're going to get through it. Now you may get through it with, <laughs> with some scars and yeah. with some alcohol, but like your track record still a hundred percent and people absolutely. forget that. And they're like, I'll never get through this. And I'm like, well, you ain't dead yet. So absolutely. Like I think it, that's, that is so, that is so powerful.
1: Um, I think one thing to add on to it for the people who are like, yeah, well, Emmy, you still haven't told me what the heck to do about that job that I hate. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to give people a little, a little tool that I call the three-legged stool. And if you're listening and you're like, everything is crap at my job, I want you to think about it from these three different legs of the stool. So the first one being, are you good at the thing that you do? And I don't mean like you don't have to be perfect at everything, but for example when I used to do event management, I was really good at event management, but the other legs of the stool didn't really work for me. Mm. So the first one is, is this something, is the thing that you do something you're naturally good at and actually enjoy? Um, Which leads into the second leg of it, which is, is it fun or enjoyable most of the time? So are you enjoying your time with your colleagues, clients, whatever it is that you do? So. And the third one is, is there enough challenge? And I mean, healthy challenge. So for anyone out there, like there's a difference between, um, what I call injury pain, which is to continue Mm -hmm. to run on an injured foot versus, um, you know, challenge pain, which helps us grow muscle basically. So, yeah. So first ask yourself, uh, you know, is it, is it something you're good at? Is it fun and enjoyable? And finally, are you getting the right type of challenge? Mm -hmm. And very often when clients come to me, that three-legged stool is really lopsided Mm -hmm. because it's just challenge and no fun, or they're really good at it, but they're not enjoying it anymore or a flavor thereof. I love that. That's a really great place to
0: start. I love talking to people because the way that like people make frameworks is so unique. Mm
1: -hmm. Is
0: so unique. Like I've never thought about frameworks as a three-legged stool, but I love that. Cause you're like, you want to be able to sit on the stool. And if yeah. one of the legs is wonky, or if you don't have one of the legs, mm. you can't sit on the stool. So ideally and, all. Yeah. Three and if are it's working. wonky,
1: like you can sit wonky, like we're about good and great, right? Mm-hmm. A great stool is balanced. So you can sit on it and, you know, not fall off it, but it's fine for things to be unbalanced for short periods of time. But if it gets wonkier and wonkier, then you need to kind of go, actually this challenge, this painful challenge mm-hmm. level is not going to stop. So I'm going to have to have that chat with my boss about my role description and blah, 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 or I'm going to have to go. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe you run both strategies at the same time. You start looking for another yeah. job and you chat to your boss at the same time. That's it's not moment. one or the other.
0: I I love that one of your legs is fun. I mm-hmm. cannot tell you how many people I talk to who like really do not think that fun is ever a priority once you become an adult. And it is so heartbreaking to me. So yes. like people I, I get, uh, because I do the work that I do, people are like, well, how do how did you know? Like, how do you know your purpose? How do you find it? And I mm. tell everyone, like my goal in life is to have a great fucking time. That's literally it. <laughs> That's the entire reason I'm here is to have a great time. So mm. that means doing work I love, spending time with people I love and animals. We have a shit ton of animals. With the animals I love, doing things that I love, like fun, if we're talking about values, mm. and it's probably not everybody's value, but like mm. humans are meant to play. And and mm. I think as adults, we get busy, right? And and life happens and you know, yeah. the world is on fire and all these things. But it's like, at the end of the day, you deserve to have a good time. Yes. And we can, there are jobs that fit that. And there are, there are partners that fit that and there are homes that fit that. And they're like, I wonder too, if you find a lot of people come to you wanting to change their job and they end up making all these other, like really amazing, more aligned choices because they like, I always say there's like a thousand doors to the room of growth. So it doesn't really matter where people enter. Like, yeah enter through your job or your partner or, you know, whatever, um, it's still growth. So I would bet people that come to work with you also make all these other, like really cool, amazing, more aligned choices. And you're just like, "Mm, yes. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And that's the thing. So I guess some career
1: coaches out there, they specifically work on like aligning your, um, job situation. But I think for me the main transformation is like I said before about values. You don't have separate, separate values at work and in life. Right. You know, you are one whole person everywhere. And the more of that you can bring to work the happier and the more aligned you'll be. But absolutely when people know what their values are and they know what their strengths are that they start looking at things and I work frequently with people, both men and women, who are serious perfectionists and control freaks, self-proclaimed. Right. Um, and we work through strategies of like, okay, so what's that look like at home? Well, I'm always tired because I always have to do everything. And then I, I do this work and then I get resentful. Yeah. So when we get to the bottom of a lot of those behaviors, when it's really usually most of the time, or at least it was for me personally, it's a way of covering up That you feel like you're not good enough so you overcompensate and when you stop hustling for worthiness in your workplace and at home oh my gosh like you have all this energy back and you you know I mean my partner knows that I have these tendencies so he will like with my permission he's like you're doing that thing again (laughs) where you're like da 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 and over preparing and like I would like and he's like literally takes a spatula out of my hand he's like I'm cooking dinner tonight go sit down Because I'm doing the thing, and and even though I know all this stuff, and like you say, there are many doors to to personal development, like even though I know all this stuff, I still relapse, but I have people around me now who can call me on it and go, you're doing that thing again. (laughs) And and it's actually a huge part of the one-on-one work I do, it's actually, uh, I call it the inner circle, and it's a way of cleaning out the crew around you as you go through your transition Mm -hmm. and change specifically we have a whole chapter about the bench which is to use a sports metaphor who in your life do you love but you don't need them to play this match you don't need their opinion or their advice right now because they're not going to be able to be helpful and constructive and if they can't be helpful and constructive they go on the bench for a few months I know right liberating
0: Damn.
1: I love it it's one of my favorite tools wow. and that permission to oneself to go like I love hypothetical. Whatever. If you have a parent that's really
0: yeah.
1: um, dominant in your life, and especially for the young ones out there, if your parents have been in your ear about you should be doing this, you should be doing that, the one thing to ask yourself is: is the result that person has in their life what you want for you? Great question. If it's not, they're not the best advisor right now, which means they can go on the bench. You don't have to tell them. You can still love them. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to them.
0: <laughs> I love it. I. I just love you. I just love you. Like, yes, yes. You say so many things that are in my brain and I love them and I love them, right? Like if people's advice is not right for you, even if it's objectively good, Mm. then it's the wrong advice. Like Mm. I was redoing an office building and the man that um, lent us the money is like a multimillionaire real estate. Like he's obviously, he knows what he's doing. Okay, he has the multimillion dollars to prove it and the multimillion dollar real estate portfolio to prove it, he's not a mm. stupid man. And I was telling him what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I'm gonna make it really beautiful. We're gonna paint, we're gonna decorate this way. Da-da-da-da. And he said, you shouldn't do any of those things. You should do the bare minimum because renters are super hard on your stuff. And I was like, you are a very smart man and I am not going to follow that advice. Mm. <laughs> I'm just not going to.
1: Yeah. Look, another way of thinking about that exact thing, and it's important, again, it comes back to boundaries. I think so many things in life comes back to boundaries and, benching and learning is to say, thanks for your advice, but no. Yeah. Here's another way of thinking about that. Um, you know, like, uh, I, at least I grew up in Sweden where it was very cold. So we had to wear a lot of layers. So what I often say to people about advice, it's like a really itchy knitted sweater. So if someone gives you an itchy knitted sweater that you hate and you don't want to wear, yeah. you can still say thank you and never wear it you can say metaphorical thank you for the advice of what I should do with my career Mm -hmm. in life I will put that in the bin to go to the op shop because I can tell yeah I can tell that you mean well but either it's not useful for me right now or you simply don't quite understand what I'm trying to do sure and maybe I didn't explain it well enough but I also and this is the hustle thing Mm -hmm. I don't need your permission to do the thing that I want to do especially oh, with goodness. dominant people in your life, if you have a dominant, like a partner or a family member or a friend really? who like loves telling you what to do, to tell <laughs> them, thanks, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. It's actually- Thank you so much. Very empowering. Yes. My family and makes also, fun of me. And remember they say that because they love you. They right. love you and, and they really don't want you to screw up. And they, they want to if help. you do the thing, you're going to be sad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Like genuinely, thank you for trying to help. Mm. I considered what you said and I considered it a 0%. Thank you very much. My family makes fun of me because my response most of the time to someone is like, watch me. They're like, mm. you can't do that. And I'm like, bad bitch. And being able to, like, you're right. So much of this is boundaries and knowing yourself. And I love that your work is so holistic. It's not just like, take this personality test and, oh, it spits out, mm. you know, four jobs that you'd be great at. Boop, 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 let's pick those and let's start applying. And, oh, by the way, here's how to build a resume. Like, it's so much deeper than that. Mm. It's so much deeper than that. And I just like, yes.
1: Yes. And thank you. And I, I, because I think, you know, I often hear people talk about the midlife crisis or the mid-career crisis. And I think a lot of people, when they get to between 35 and 45, especially if you've worked since your early twenties or late teens, Mm -hmm. even at that point, you've probably gotten to know yourself a lot. And the Mm -hmm. reason you're having a quote unquote crisis Mm -hmm. or stuff coming up is because you haven't listened to all the signals and you don't have a framework to put them in to make sense of them. And that's why I think it would be, personally, I just think it'd be very irresponsible of me to just skim the surface. So not every client is right for me. Um, Usually people who come and work with me are people who are really interested in personal development. Or really interested to have a more holistic view that we're not just going to talk about work. Like if we talk, Ah. you know, similar to you, I ask a lot of clarifying questions. Mm -hmm. It's a lot about digging deeper and go, when did you decide that that was true? oh, my boss said this and this. And I'm like, interesting. Why do you think that triggered you so much? Oh, well, you know, this and this. And more often than not, we end up with some kind of thing that happened when people were younger. And they're like, how is this even remotely connected to what my boss said yesterday? And I was like, because it triggered the same thing in you. It triggered the the lane line over there. And when we start to deal with the root cause, not just like, oh, I get stressed very easily, but you can see if we're working on the concept of I'm hustling for worthiness because I don't think I'm good enough to Mm. I'm stressed it's a totally different level problem and I love (laughs) it and it actually doesn't have to take I think the thing that people also worry about is like this is going to take years and years like it sounds I mean sounds great but this is going to take like five years to work yeah
0: Yeah, it really doesn't three months six months
1: yeah exactly you know a couple of sessions identify the next steps like There is so much that you can do, but the first thing is the permission, permission to self, to change the stuff that's not working and permission Mm -hmm. to self to be like, no one is perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to look perfect. And a lot of people are not going to like my decision to do this thing. And I'm going to have to be okay to do it anyway, because I love me and I'm the main stakeholder for me.
0: And I find too, that most people really don't care they're like oh so and so is gonna hate this i'm like they don't give a shit <laughs> and if they do I mean, they do for five seconds yeah and then they move and on the, ma- and the okay. main thing
1: is that they often want to know that you've just thought about it so if someone comes to you again <laughs> the whole inner circle and the bench concept that i talked about before someone comes to you and gives you unsolicited advice especially mm-hmm. if it's not very constructive <laughs> you know they really just try to be like hey here's a warning signal. I'm not oh. sure if you've talked about a thought about the financial implication of your sure. decision or whatever that is. Yeah. And it's great that they flag that, but again, you don't have to listen to it yeah. or you can put it in a, this will be useful. Like this, this sweater will be warm and cozy next winter. Yeah. You know,
0: right now. And I, and I think too, often people, well, really, cause they're not living in your brand, Like they see the decision, they don't see like the input that goes behind it. So like I had, um, I went to the beach over the weekend for a concert and I had planned it out. Like I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this concert, looked at the dates for the band and then decided where I was going to go. And I had a client that was like, you're so spontaneous. And I was like, I booked that trip a month ago. Yeah. Like, that's not someone, (laughs) I was like, you just saw the decision that I went to the beach for a concert. You weren't in my brain where I was like researching where to go in the venue for like three days. Mm. So, you know, people see the decision and they don't see the decision-making process and they assume you haven't thought about it, but it's like, this is the first time they're hearing about it. So, so I think to understanding just what you said that like, they just want to know that you thought about it. So you can just tell them like, oh, actually I did think about that. And you know, here's what I came to, or like, yeah, I did think about that. And I decided this was the best decision. Cause you also don't owe people an explanation. Absolutely not. So there's that. And by extension
1: as well, because we're talking about career specifically, the thing that you said about like people haven't seen the decision making journey, a lot of people also have not looked under the hood. So as people look at me and they're like, oh, you've done all these different things. And I've had to justify my mixed CV many times in past job interviews, because they're like, how can you care about coaching and that thing and that thing? Like, it doesn't make sense because they can't categorize you. Right. So the thing to remember is whenever you see someone have quote unquote overnight success, or they go viral <laughs> with a particular video or whatever, Whatever the medium is remember that for every youtube success there is hundreds of hours of editing and tearing your hair out or for every podcaster you know there's so much learning that happens Mm -hmm. um and so many wrong quote-unquote wrong turns where you learn really quickly that that job wasn't for me or like we talked about the doomsday thing like a horrible sometimes the really horrible people and the horrible experiences you have teach you so much but we don't see that. We yeah. see the successful person at the front of the room receiving an award. Right. But remember, there is blood, sweat, tears, and joy that have gone into that whole thing. Yeah, that is really hard to quantify. Yeah, so, and I think it was
0: Steve Martin that said it took me ten years to become an overnight success. And I'm like, it's true. It's, so true. it's so true. The truth, so true. So, how do people and- work for you? Work for you? Work with you? Or work for you? Whatever. <laughs>
1: Um, the best way to get in touch with me is to check out my website, thebridgecoaching.com.au. Um, and I've got a free printable on there for people who are looking to get started or like, I don't really know where I, what I want to start. So there's a button right at the top of the page to download the free checklist if someone wants to get started with that. Or even better, if you've heard some stuff and you're like, I'd like to unpack that or stuff came up for me um, on the contact us part of my website, you can book a free call with me for 20 minutes um, and and have a quick chat because every person is different, every circumstance is different, I have a few different programs um, that unpack what we've talked about here today but More importantly than anything, whether you decide to contact me or somebody else, like just start doing something. If you're Mm -hmm. stuck and your river ain't flowing, just make sure like the only thing that's stopping that is you kind of tying the boat up and just like working against the thing. So just like untie the rope, start talking to someone and start doing the first step. That's, that's usually the best Best way to go. Be helpful. Yeah. Helpful, not to someone who's just helpful and constructive, right?
0: Maybe we need like a whole episode on how to find people who are helpful and constructive. Ah, I'd love to talk about that. I feel like we could talk forever. That would actually be really helpful. Like, cause a lot of people don't know how to tell someone that is helpful, that has their back, that like a lot of people really take shitty advice just because they're like, oh, the person quote unquote is an authority, but it's like, oh my God, we need to filter.
1: I would love an episode about that, but my quick, my really quick take Mm. on it is also that just because someone is good at something, like you don't have to model or take advice on everything they do. So for example, like there can be people in your world where you don't love how they live their life or do certain Mm -hmm. things, but they might be really good at finance or being organized or being good listeners or something. Mm -hmm. So you can have people in your world with very particular purposes. Yeah. Like a niche. Um,
0: niche, Yeah. Whatever. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So Somebody yeah, who speaks English 100%. better than me. <laughs> oh my God. You are, you are so good, dude. You are so good. Listen, if you need help with your career, you don't know where to go. God, book a call. You're so freaking good. The bridge coaching consulting.
1: coaching coaching. We'll the dot au. We'll ping bridge the link coaching. in the show notes or something. 100%.
0: For yes. The bridge coaching.com.au. You are so freaking good. Thank you. If our listeners suddenly get amnesia and they forget everything that we just said, what do you want them to remember?
1: Let your career be a valuable part of you, who you are, but not everything you are. Mm.
0: You're just so good. We just love you. Likewise. This has been magic. Thank you So so much for having me. Hearts, just hearts. Imagine me doing the heart eye emoji. you're so good. Okay, how do I stop this thing?